Hi, I'm Jim Stroud, and this is my podcast. Happy Easter Monday to some and a belated happy Easter to others. I hope that all concerned were able to celebrate their risen Lord as best they could. During the Holy Week, I saw a lot of religious articles, videos, and memes related to Easter. One video that caught my eye was related to technology and religion, and it sent me on a long parade of thoughts and speculation, perhaps also inspired by the quarantine. Here's a clip from the video uh, that I am referencing, and it went a little bit like this. The mark of the beast will be an end times identification required by the Antichrist in order to buy or sell, and it will be given only to those who worship the Antichrist. Many good expositors of Revelation differ widely as to the exact nature of the mark of the beast. Besides the implanted chip view, other speculations include an ID card, a microchip, a barcode that is tattooed onto the skin, or simply a mark that identifies someone as being faithful to the Antichrist's kingdom. The reference to the mark of the beast comes up often in tech forums, especially in relation to biometrics. Yet, there was something that triggered my imagination when I heard this little bit. A barcode that is tattooed onto the skin? Now, I had heard of the possibility of digital tattoos uh, a long while ago but did not think we were close to anything resembling the mark of the beast mentioned in the book of Revelations. That is, until I did some research and ooh boy. What I discovered made my jaw drop. So much so, I decided to produce this episode commercial free. Stay tuned for what will be a long stream of conscious thoughts and speculations, which I hope will also make you think. Part 1. Digital Tattoos Are the Future of Healthcare When I was researching digital tattoos, one of the first few articles I found was from this website, medicalfuturist.com. Their article, Digital Tattoos Make Healthcare More Invisible, really opened my eyes to the possibility of the good that could happen from digital tattoos. After all, at their core, digital tattoos are tools manipulated for good or evil, depending on the intent behind them. Check out this quote. With the development in 3D printing as well as circuit printing technologies, Flexible electronics and materials applying the so-called digital tattoos or electronic tattoos on the skin for some days or even weeks became possible. Some researchers use gold nanorods, others graphene or various polymers with rubber backing to apply the tattoo on the skin without causing irritation. Certain experts believe that these skin patches or tattoos are only the beginning and in the future. Other skin techniques such as henna, tanning, and makeup will also be tested. These flexible, waterproof materials impervious to stretching and twisting coupled with tiny electrodes are able to record and transmit information about the wearer to smartphones or other connected devices. 
That's why fantasies about digital tattoos unlocking tablets, opening doors, or supporting border crossing took off. In 2014, Motorola Corporation launched the digital tattoo for identification of its Mota X handset. The digital tattoo sticker unlocks the smartphone without the need for any passwords or patterns. As the tiny patches can measure electrophysiological parameters, they could allow healthcare experts to monitor and diagnose critical health conditions such as heart arrhythmia, heart activities of premature babies, sleep disorders, and brain activities non-invasively. Moreover, by tracking vital signs 24 hours a day without the need for a charger, it is especially suited for following patients with high risk of stroke, for example. The digital tattoo could send alerts to medical systems, it might call the ambulance, and transmit pertinent data as well. In the future, tiny multifaceted patches might as well track muscle movements around speech when applied to the throat, potentially turning the tattoos into half of a wireless hands-free kit. Since you don't actually have to speak out loud, it could pick up sub-vocal commands too. Alternatively, the figurative or non-figurative, well-designed electronic tattoos can even track brain signals with enough accuracy to control a computer. However, that's still the distant future. Back in 2015, Nanoengineers at the University of California, San Diego developed a temporary tattoo that both extracts and measures the level of glucose in the fluid in between skin cells. Here's a news report giving further insight into that. Hey guys, you know what? Some remarkable work from nanoengineers out of San Diego. They've essentially developed a smart tattoo that can measure glucose levels. The temporary tattoo is a needle-free way to determine the amount of glucose in the fluid between skin cells. The sensor with a pattern of electrodes measures blood sugar levels using a mild electrical current. The nanoengineers at the University of California, San Diego say this proof-of-concept tattoo could be a breakthrough in non-invasive glucose testing for diabetes patients. Now, the flexible device can't give patients the full readout they need just yet, but researchers say that specific component is on the way and could eventually have Bluetooth capabilities. Now, with Bluetooth, the sensor would be able to send the glucose information directly to a doctor. The temporary tattoo could last for about a day, so they'd be disposable, but they only cost a couple of cents, so it's probably worth it. MC10, a company that develops silicon devices thin to a fraction of the width of a human hair, uses stretchable metallic interconnects and elastic rubber-like polymers to form complete powered systems that sense, measure, analyze, and communicate information. In 2016, MC10 marketed its BioStamp RC sensor, a waterproof Band-Aid-like patch that sticks to the skin and monitors movement, muscle performance, or heart activity. The tiny wearable even has a Bluetooth radio and a miniature battery. Wow. Now, that same year, researchers at Harvard and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, developed color-changing digital tattoos within a project entitled Dermal Abyss, a bunch of biosensitive inks changing color parallel to how changes in your body occur. The inks can measure the concentration of glucose, sodium, and pH in the skin's 
interstitial fluid which surrounds cells. Listen to this audio from Harvard University which explains it a little bit further. Traditional inks are replaced with biosensors whose colors change in response to variations in the intestinal fluid. The pH sensor changes between purple and pink and the glucose sensor between blue and brown. The sodium and second pH sensor fluoresce at a higher intensity under UV light. The dermal abyss creates direct access to the compartments of the body and reflects inner metabolic processes in the shape of a tattoo. It could be used for applications in continuously monitoring such as medical diagnostics, quantified self, and data encoding in the body. And in 2019, Science Times reported that digital tattoos could be made from silk and a substance called graphene. Here's a quote from that article. During the placement of electronic tattoos or e-tattoos, they are exposed constantly to different types of mechanical inputs such as bending, cutting, pressing, and twisting. This may lead to malfunction as it could cause mechanical damage to your electronic tattoo. We developed our self-healing, biocompatible, and multifunctional e-tattoo by incorporating graphene with silk said Yingying Zhang, Associate Professor in the Department of Chemistry and the Center for Nano and Micromechanics at Tsinghua University. We show that custom-designed and highly flexible e-tattoos can be facilely prepared through screen printing or direct writing of a graphene-slash-silk suspension. The graphene flakes found on the tattoo are distributed in the matrix form, a path that is electrically conducive and it is responsive to all sorts of environmental changes like temperature, variations, humidity, and strain. This endows the tattoo with increased sensitivity to multi-stimuli. What is great about this invention is that the tattoo can be healed immediately. In fact, it has an efficiency rate of 100% even after fracturing for 0.3 seconds. The tattoo can be healed immediately by wetting it with a drop of water because the hydrogen on water and the coordination of the tattoo can help reform it and bond the fracture of the interface. Based on the superior capabilities of our e-tattoos, we believe that such skin-like devices hold great promise for manufacturing cost-effective artificial skins and wearable electronics, notes Zhang. Digital tattoos are able to collect data on our bodies, they are able to transmit that information, and in the event that they are damaged, they can repair themselves. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Now, uh, this is all very interesting, especially if you operate in the financial sector where biometrics of all sorts have been implemented to secure financial transactions. Up next, part two, biometrics are the now and future of e-commerce.
If you watch spy movies or any number of action movies, no doubt you have seen iris scanners. Basically, you look into a viewfinder, the computer scans your irises and validates your identity. Once your ID has been verified, you are allowed access into the top secret, super secret room. <laughs> now, uh, what you might not have seen, however, is the use of vein technology. That's V-E-I-N, vein verification technology, rather. Now, Barclays said it is the first bank globally to use vein recognition technology for significant account transactions, and they have been doing so since 2014. Listen to this quote from The Telegraph. Barclays is launching a vein scanner for customers as it steps up use of biometric recognition technology to combat banking fraud. The bank has teamed up with Japanese technology firm Hitachi to develop a biometric reader that scans a customer's finger to access accounts instead of using a password or PIN. The biometric reader, which plugs into a customer's computer at home, uses infrared lights to scan blood flow in a person's finger. The user must then scan the same finger a second time to confirm a transaction. Each vein profile will be stored on a SIM card inside the device. Vein recognition technology is used by some banks in Japan and elsewhere at ATM machines, but Barclays said it is the first bank globally to use it for significant count transactions. Barclays said it is the startup of a ramp up in its first use of biometrics to provide safer verification systems that cut fraud risk from customers sharing or choosing obvious passwords or forgetting pins. If all of that sounded cutting edge technology to you, well, you are behind the times because all of that happened in 2014. Now, since 2014, has vein verification technology gone away? Well, if this was the pre-coronavirus era, I would have to say hardly. Because in 2019, there was this company called Pan Pacific International. Uh, they rolled out a new line of vending machines that use biometric verification to deliver age-restricted products. The SmartPan Pro Beverage Dispenser, uh, which is their product, uh, used finger vein biometrics to confirm the age of registered customers, allowing for self-service with goods that previously needed to be stocked behind a counter, uh, things like beer. But in the post-corona world, the company Fine Biometrics said that there are a growing number of examples of organizations moving away from contact-based biometric during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, government authorities in India and Pakistan were restricting the use of fingerprint scans for attendance tracking already in February. And in early March, the NYPD halted the use of fingerprint scanning for police assessing its headquarters. Meanwhile, a high-tech burger shop in Silicon Valley went so far as to implement face and temperature scanning for customers, signaling the utility of contactless biometrics at a time of social distancing. End quote. Well, this is where my speculation begins. Digital tattoos can collect and transmit data wirelessly, 
Could it be that before long, people are required to get these tattoos for the sake of public health? It may sound far-fetched, but mm, already there are signs of that mindset. Up next, part three. Biometrics are the future of control. I would encourage everyone listening to me now to read a Bloomberg opinion piece called When Tracking the Virus Means Tracking Your Citizens because it brings up a lot of points that are often overlooked in today's mainstream media uh, during these interesting times. <laughs> here's, a, here's a quote from that opinion piece. Since the outbreak of the coronavirus pandemic, some democracies around the world have used technology to avoid having to impose draconian mass quarantines that were common earlier this year in China. That's reassuring. And it's also worrying because the very strategies that can help fight a plague can also be abused once it's over. Consider Taiwan, where an electronic fence allows local police to make regular phone calls to everyone who is home under quarantine. If the citizen doesn't answer the phone, or rather if the phone is out of power, please come to the house within 15 minutes. <laughs> In South Korea, the government constantly updates a website that tracks the movements of people who have been infected and issues alerts to the mobile phones of people in the geographic vicinity of an infected citizen. The Israeli government gained access to an archive of phone data to map the movements of infected people, then alerted those who had been in contact with them to self-isolate. Again, Invoking these powers is reasonable during a pandemic. Once the pandemic is over, however, this kind of power can and probably will be abused. What's to stop a corrupt or merely unscrupulous leader from using such technologies to learn or even publicize the location of political opponents or dissidents? This is a genuine emergency and that justifies a lot of things that would not normally be justified, says Jay Stanley, a senior policy analyst at the ACLU. But we have to make sure that these temporary powers do not become permanent in a way that hurts everybody else. When I read that article and looked more closely at the examples they cited, I shuddered to think of such draconian measures being enacted here in the United States. After 9-11, the FBI was given broad new powers to demand data from private businesses. And now a dozen years later, both the ACLU and the Justice Department's Inspector General found that the use of that extraordinary power had become routine and unchecked. And because we did not learn from our history, we are doomed to repeat steps towards 1984. Listen to uh, this news report that was... Very recent, as recent as April 13th, 2020. What if there was a bit of technology that could tell you if you were near someone who tested positive for COVID-19? Well, we've learned that technology is actually not that far away. And reporter Alexander Leslie is joining us now. We understand these are rival tech companies that are teaming up. 
Right, Apple and Google are working on a new app to help health officials. It would essentially alert users if they've been in close contact with someone who had tested positive for COVID-19, speeding up the process that our health officials call contact tracing. But right now, that process here is being done manually. Governor Gina Raimondo had asked Rhode Islanders to keep a contact notebook, so if they do test positive, they can trace who they've been in contact with and possibly have spread the virus to. Meanwhile, Apple and Google say their app would be voluntary and it does not track a user's location, but rather their proximity to others. The Trump administration has said that it will take a strong look at privacy concerns with this. <laughs> so many things ran through my mind when that bit of news caught my attention. I'll just name a few points. Uh, three points. Point number one. In a joint statement between Apple and Google, they say privacy, transparency, and consent are of utmost importance in this effort. <laughs> I'm sorry. Both pledging to publish information about our work for others to analyze and work with interested stakeholders to expand the app's functionality. While both companies repeatedly insisted that the tech will be opt-in and respect users' privacy and security, it's eventual integration into the very operating system that runs the phones used by the vast majority of smartphone users is of great concern. No matter how secure data is supposed to be, it can always be hacked. And if not hacked, such data may be too irresistible for both Google and Apple to leverage for marketing purposes or some other competitive advantage later. But don't take my word for that. Head over to DuckDuckGo, my favorite search engine, and search Google Privacy Breach and see what you get. And once you're done with that, search Apple Lawsuits Privacy Violations as well. Good, good, interesting reading there. Another point. Bluetooth technology is good. It's pretty good, but it ain't perfect. I imagine a lot of false positives with this app once it comes online. And just because your phone came within range of an infected person's device, that doesn't necessarily mean you got close enough to catch anything. And even then, the overall success of the app is going to be contingent on how many people are using the opt-in app the same time you are. Third point, and what about when this pandemic passes? Since this contact tracing is in the operating system, that means that it's pretty much permanent and likely to be baked into future upgrades of the technology. How will it be leveraged then? When we get upgrades on our phones, we check a box consenting to the use of the new software. Do you ever read that? I'll admit that I don't, and I would guess that you don't either. I think I will going forward though. Tech companies have already been able to track you in order to sell you things. Now they will be able to track you in real time and who you hang out with and who they hang out with and so on and so on. What would happen if you had an opinion that was politically incorrect? Or if due to some past behavior, you were not permitted to travel? This may sound crazy, but a system like that is already in place in China and it's called the social credit score. 
I did a video about it last year. Please check it out. I'll provide a link to it uh, in the description. Digital tattoos are very advanced and can provide great benefit to our health. Since they can collect and transmit data, they are a logical replacement for the vein technology used by banks like Barclays. Digital tattoos can be connected to apps on our phone, which can offer up even more options related to public health surveillance. However, despite the good these biometric advances represent, there is a long-term consequence to our privacy being overlooked. The app being developed by Google and Apple has the propensity to be a massive surveillance program and is being developed right in plain sight. The technological pieces for tracking individuals, tracking group interactions, and enabling contact-free commerce transactions is here today. The potential for massive population control, as described in the book of Revelations, The Mark of the Beast, seems to be a lot nearer than I may have suspected prior to this podcast. Of course, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Only time will tell for sure. If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, I want to know about it. You can leave a comment concerning this podcast on my website at www.jimstroud.com. In addition to finding source material and related information for this podcast episode, you'll find other goodies that I hope will make you smile. And if you have not already, please subscribe to my website. Your continued support keeps this podcast train chugging down the track. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading! reading.